1: Your pet is often referred to as your best friend. Yet when it comes to their health care, sometimes we don't understand all of the options that are available to keep them healthy and living a good quality life as long as possible. In our program, we will explain and explore the best care possible, and we invite your participation as well.
2: Now, here is Dr. Julie Mayer. Well, hello, all you pet lovers! Welcome to Pet Panorama. I am your host, Dr. Julie Mayer. I'm a holistic veterinarian. That means I'm certified in veterinary acupuncture, veterinary chiropractic, and I'm a rehab practitioner, which means I'm certified in rehabilitation for pets. So um, I designed this show. My mission is to uh, to give a panoramic perspective uh, of healthcare to the audience for you pet lovers. And how I uh, organize this is I have monthly topics and um, then we have subtopics under the monthly topics. Um, so last week was kind of an in- introduction and we were talking about, um, you know, just food and health and um, happiness and all kinds of good things. And now we are going to start to get serious. So I encourage you to get some uh, pencils and paper and uh, we got a lot of information to cover, um, so I'd like to get started as soon as I give you the number for the show. Um, is one eight six six four seven two five seven nine two. During the week, you can contact me at petpanorama at gmail dot com, and uh, if you have any, you know, any things that you want to talk about, any concerns, any questions, um, I can try to go over those on on the air. Um, or we can talk directly, personally, for anything that you, you know, any concerns that you have about your loved one. So last episode, I mentioned um, that our pets need nutrients and not just ingredients, and that's really, really important. Today, we're going to go deep into um, how do we read pet food labels, um, marketing, uh, recalls, all kind of all kinds of crazy stuff out there. So think. You know, just keep this in mind, the difference between nutrients and ingredients. Nutrients are things that we, th- you know, leave, live on. Ingredients are just the names of these nutrients. Um, and hopefully all the nutrients are ingredients and all the ingredients are nutrients. So, but but think about that. We want our pets to thrive and live good quality lives and not just survive. So that's really important. Um, I been a veterinarian for 25 years, and I've kind of raised my clients, meaning I've you know seen them when they were puppies to to their passing, and um, it it's definitely amazing just to see the different breeds and the different longevities and the foods and the medicine and and all kinds of interesting things, and it's it's about having a quality of life that is really important. Um, so me, and I think to a lot of my uh, clients and followers. So we need to know as much as we can about processed food. Processed food is commercial food. It's convenient food. Um, Because we serve this to our pets every day, and we really can't measure the bioavailability of these foods. How do we know they're getting, you know, it's getting absorbed. How do we know that the body is use, utilizing these nutrients? We we can't measure that. Well, we sort of, kind of can. We can measure it by their health, by their coat. You know, do they have bright eyes? But scientifically, it's really hard to measure the bioavailability of these ingredients. And you know, do these ingredients change during digest- digestion? We. It, it's really hard for us to have a camera and look inside the gut. So, you know, keep that in mind, too, that we want the best for our pet because if we have real good ingredients that's in the more natural state, then we hope that they're going to be absorbed and they're going to feed the cells and feed the body and, you know, provide health basically in the long run. So... The history of commercial f- pet food—you know how did how did that come about? And I—I I mentioned this a little bit in the last episode, um, but I got some timelines here for you. But the first documented package uh, pet food was designed in Europe in 1870. So it's a long time ago. Um, I don't know when refrigeration uh, came in, so that would be a good trivia question for me to look up there. But then in 19, so in here in America. In 1926, Ralston Purina made the first commercial dog food. And they're still around. They're Purina. They're not Ralston Purina now. And in 1956, the extrusion process was developed. And what is the extrusion process? Well, well, that's basically for your kibble, um, things that are stored in a bag um, or a container of some sort, but the dry food. So what happens with the extrusion process? Because you know you you have to know this. You should know how your the pet food is made. you're serving it, and you again want the best quality. You can all you can look up actually extrusion uh, process and extrusion machines, and I encourage you to do this on YouTube. Um, and you can kind of see the process. It's a little fascinating. Raw materials are first ground to the correct particle size, and then th- this dry mix is passed through a preconditioner in which other ingredients are added, and that means vitamins, minerals, or flavorings, or things to gel everything together. Steam is injected into this um, area, and this will start the cooking process. The preconditioned mix is then passed through an extruder, which it's just this big, it looks like a, a... I don't know, it goes round and round like a big mixing machine and then it's cut into desired length after it's pushed through a conveyor belt. And the cooking process actually does take place in the extruder. This is where, with all that friction going on of the food, it creates heat and there's pressure added and um, more heat. and and. It can get greater than 400 degrees Fahrenheit in there, so so that's you know that's like baking things in your oven, typically. I don't use my oven that much, so um, I don't know much about cooking, but I do know much about cooking dog food. So 400 degrees Fahrenheit, it's pretty hot, and there's there's some studies that show that over 200 degrees Fahrenheit, some enzymes you know will be destroyed. Um, Protein will be denatured, which means fall apart. Starch can get gelatinized and that it's clumped and sometimes there's protein attached to sugars and and then we have big molecules that the body doesn't, let's put it this way, the intestines can't absorb some of these things. So it just depends on what's going in the extruder And the parameters and how, you know, the heat and the pressure and how intense that is. So, again, just think about this process and think about nutrients versus ingredients. So, today I'm going to talk about, um, I know it sounds simple and and it sounds silly, but how to read a pet food label. Because there's a lot of, there's a lot of things going on that, definitions that you do not know just by reading the front of the, the, the package, it's flashy, there's a golden retriever on there, you may have a golden retriever, so you bo- go buy that food. There's a lot to look at just at the front of the package. That's where the marketing can be mani- can manipulate you to buy that food. So I want to go into that. So the guidelines that we use, um, well, not me, but what, um, what the pet food manufacturers have to use is... AI, AAFCO, which is the, um, the American Association of Feed Control Officials, they, are, they make the guidelines. Now, just because they make the guidelines doesn't mean that they don't have any police power. So they can't go in and in, inspect places and um, you know, give you penalties, et cetera, if, if you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing. But they make the guide, guidelines on the contents the definitions of, um, you know, what you may be reading on these labels. Um, They do work with the FDA on labeling. So, you know, there's federal and state laws regulation that regulate the pet food labels and the pet food and the ingredients, you know, and things like that. So they do work close with the government, um, which is good. And everybody just tries to set standards and you know, new ingredients may come up and they have to look at those ingredients and declare, are they safe? Is this you know what they they what they're going to allow in the pet foods? So I want to start by um, if you look at the front of the package, you're you're looking at a lot of stuff. There's pictures, there's pictures of cute little dogs or cats. There's pictures of, you know, very, um, mouth-watering food on the label, and it's flashy, and it catches your eye, etc. But we have to read between the lines. There's five different, five different definitions that are in the product. You have to read the product. There's, again, there's going to be a lot that they have to say just on the front because they want to catch your eye. But here are the five things that you really need to know. So if you have a pen and paper, it's a good time to write some things down. If you see on the label, it'll say beef for dogs or chicken for dogs um, or turkey for dogs or lamb for dogs or cats. So you can plug in any kind of meat and you can plug in an animal, typically dog or cat. It'll say, I'm going to use beef, for example, in all of these. So beef for dogs. There's a definition behind that it means it must contain 95% beef by weight. That's a good thing. That's a lot of meat in there. So we're gonna gonna have a lot of protein, good nutrition, right? Quality, again, we can't measure that. So beef for dogs, if it says that on the description, it must contain 95% beef by weight, okay? So I'm gonna give you a little example. Here's a label, it says lean cuts, it says food for dogs, So we have the four dogs in there. And then it says made with fresh beef steaks and roasts. So they're steaks, roasts for dogs in this product, which means we have to look at the label. It should say it's 95% meat or protein. So beef for dogs must contain 95% beef by weight. Here's another example. Um, I'm not going to give any names. Obviously, now this is a canned food. And this is beef and chicken food for dogs. If it says for dogs, again, it could say for cats, must contain 95% beef by weight. So those just aren't words. There's definitions behind. Example number two, if we have beef dog food, so it's just going to say chicken dog food, beef dog food, it must contain at least 70% beef by weight. Okay? So I have an example here says pure tasmanian pet food salmon okay so we have the food in there instead of dog food they put pet food meaning you could use it in cats and dogs so pure tasmanian salmon p- pet food must contain at least 80% beef by weight and this product contains uh, excuse me must contain at least 70% beef by weight and this product contains 80 so they're above and beyond okay Another one, we have number three, which mean, which says beef dinner, or it could say beef entree, it could say beef, platter, it could say beef recipe that those four descriptions of the meat so beef, dinner, beef, entree, beef, platter, beef recipe must contain at least 25 percent beef by weight. Nobody can li- live on that low of protein. Now, you can get protein from vegetables, etc., but most of your protein is going to come from the meat source. So, read your labels, and I'm going to give you an example. We have, again, no name, super premium um, beef dinner for dogs with spinach and kale. Sounds good, sounds great, looks great, meaning there's lots of pictures on here of lovely looking food but beef dinner is going to put us in the category of contain at least 25 percent beef by weight so they could go you know you could have 80 in there but at least 25 percent by weight so your product may have a very low meat content number 4 and well let me give you another example this one says not going to give any names it says wholesome chicken recipe this is a cat food so wholesome chicken recipe if you see the word recipe must contain at least 25% of the meat so that was chicken um, by weight example number 4 if the if the pet la- if the pet food label just says you know dog food with beef or Um, dog, chicken food with beef, that means it can contain contain up to 3% beef or meat, you know, whatever meat it is. It can contain up to 3%. So it's 3% or less, basically. So that's really, really poor food. And you're not going to know this. You're not going to know this when you walk in there and you read this, oh, look, there's beef in there. It looks good. There's a cute little kitten on there. And here's your definition. So the maximum of beef, is going, it's going to be 3%, 3%. So it's sad that as consumers, you know, we're not told this. We get carried away with a lot of um, flashy things, and we, we have to know these definitions, and that's what I'm here for is to share the love. Now, number five. If we just have on the label beef flavor, chicken flavor, it's going to contain no no beef, no meat, no nothing. And I do have an example of that. And this looks great. You know, there's some meat and some vegetables on there, and there's a happy dog. And you have chef's choice, and there's a lot of good words in there. And here's the description of the product. Oven roasted beef flavor. Spring vegetables and apple flavors. And that is it. And then it says 23 essential vitamins and minerals and antioxidant rich. And maybe before it was cooked and put into the extruder, that may be the case. 100% complete and balanced nutrition. Well, we can still have complete and balanced ingredients. I wouldn't necessarily say nutrition because, again, we can't prove, you know, how healthy these foods are. So I would have to say that this one is very, extremely low quality and you're, you're not going to get a lot of health out of this food. Um, who knows what the stools are like and who knows what the coat's like and who knows what the, you know, what what their energy level is like. And definitely if they're athletic or a performance pet, you do not want them on this food because it doesn't have any good quality of um, ingredients as far as the meat and the protein is concerned. But we need to live on protein. Protein is very important to ourselves. And what I'm going to do is, I'm going to stick on this product. I'm going to stick on number five. And I want to go through the ingredient list on on this food, and I, I'm then gonna segue into the definitions of the AAFCO, and they create all these lovely definitions for us, and we're gonna take a look at those after the break.
3: become our friend on facebook post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline visit facebook.com forward slash voice america do you find yourself caring for people in multiple generations are you exhausted stressed and overwhelmed instead of spending hours searching for resources and information dr merrill and her guests will provide you with practical everyday information and solutions to help make your life easier Tune in to Caught Between Generations, Thursdays at 12 noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time, on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel.
0: Step by step, you made it through the journey of pregnancy. Now your baby is in your arms and you're on the cusp of a new journey. Breastfeeding. As a new parent, you receive a lot of advice, much of it conflicting, some of it outdated. Tune in to Born to be Breastfed with host Marie Biancuzo. To bust through the myths about feeding your baby, Marie and her guests will help you figure out what you can expect and put you on the best and surest path on your breastfeeding journey. Listen every Monday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel.
3: We all have challenges each and every day. How do you relax and live in a calm state? On Chaos to Calm, we introduce you to the concept of wrenchway, a path to feeling calmer and happier. Listen Mondays at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Health and Wellness.
1: Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. You are tuned in to Pet Panorama with Dr. Julie Mayer. We want to hear from you with your questions, stories, and comments. Please call into the program today at 1 866 472 5792. That's 1 866 472 5792. Send your emails all week to Dr. Julie at petpanorama at gmail.com. That's petpanorama at gmail.com. Now, back to Pet Panorama.
2: Okay, welcome back. So we're talking about some labeling and um, some disguised and discreet definitions, um, which are really important to know um, because right away you can run away from that food or you can grab it off the shelf. So that would kind of limit your time um, making decisions in the grocery store. So I'm picking on a food right now, and... um, the fifth definition was if it says you know beef flavor, it means there's zero meat in it, and that would kind of make sense. So this one food, again, it says oven roasted beef flavor, spring vegetable, and apple flavors, and that is the, the description of what the what's inside. And here we go with the ingredients. Um, it's a long list. I I pretty much, I think I can pronounce most of the things on here. I'll give it a whirl. Um, Corn, soybean meal. So corn is the first ingredient. Soybean meal. And I'll describe, or I'll give you the definition of meal um, later on a little bit. Beef and bone meal, uh, which in parentheses says a source of USA beef steak flavor. So there's your flavor. It comes from beef and bone meal. So it doesn't mean that it's full chunky beef in there. Ground wheat, animal fat, BHA used as preservative. Um, BHA is a nasty preservative, and um, it's in you know processed foods, meaning hot dogs and foods that needs need to stay on the shelf for a long time. BHA. Um, the U.S. National Institute of Health reported that BHA is reasonably anticipated to be a human carcinogen based on evidence of. Uh, carcinogenicity in experimental animals. In particular, um, they did some studies on hamsters, poor hamsters and rats. And when they gave these uh, animals BHA in high doses as part you know part of their diet, they did develop papillomas, which are little cancers and squamous cell carcinomas of the fore stomach of these um, rats and, and hamsters. So that's not fun. Um, so this uh, animal fat is, um, we don't know what kind of animal it's coming from either. It's preserved with the BHA. Wheat mid- middlings, corn syrup, water sufficient for processing, animal digest, and source of grilled chicken flavor. So the animal digest is a source of grilled chicken flavor. And the digest can be intestines and things like that. Um, but it uh, it can be some parts like... Um, the organs, if you will. Um, propylene glycol, that's not fun. Salt, apple, oh, well, there's something that looks kind of live. So there's an apple in there. Hydrochloric acid, potassium chloride, caramel color, peas, there's something sort of kind of live there too. Sorbic acid, sodium carbonate, minerals, so then they go into all the vitamins and minerals that are listed and added in. And a lot of times, why we see all these lovely lists of vitamins and minerals is because they have been destroyed um, from the real ingredients, if there were real ingredients in there, prior to processing. Those typically are destroyed and they're sprayed on later, so are the fatty acids and the fat, if there's real meat in there. So these are some things to think about. With all the pressure and the heat, it definitely can change the um, the quality of what comes out the other end. So um, look at things. Turn it over. Don't just look and grab a ba- bag. Turn it over and start looking at ingredients, and that's where, where we're going to go now. So here's some definitions from the AAFCO on uh You know, you're going to see these on the back of the label. So I want you to, and you could go to the AAFCO.org and you can get all this information. It's, you know, very available. They want everybody to know what's what's happening. So I'm going to go down the list a little bit here. Um, Animal byproduct meal, you may have seen that on some foods. Meal, overall, meal means that it was, um, it's been rendered. And what rendering means, it means that the food, the meat, what have you, has been um, heated and processed to get the water and the fat out, the tallow, as we call it, out of the meat, okay? So it's heated at high temperatures to remove those, and those ingredients, you know, water can go to other places, and the tallow can go to a lot of different things, um, and sometimes they use that for... Even you know, makeup and things like that. So the tallow goes and everything's used. Everything in the human industry is used, and it kind of segues and channels down to the pet industry, all of their byproducts and what's not consuma- you know, con- considered consumable to human consu- for human consumption. So the, r- the animal byproduct, then you have meal. so animal byproduct by itself, is meat byproducts are non-human-grade proteins obtained from animal carcasses. Okay. They don't say what kind of proteins. They can vary greatly in their digestibility, and there is no way for the consumer to determine their digestibility, as I had mentioned um, on all the ingredients, really. So animal byproduct meal is going to be rendered byproducts. All right. That sounds great. Moving along, so meat, meat comes from slaughtered cattle, swine, sheep, goats. So if it says meat and just meat on the back of your bag, we don't know which species that comes from. Um, It must come from though the muscle, tongue, diaphragm, heart, or, or esophagus. Moving along, meat and bone meal, and we talked about that this is rendered from mammal tissues, including bone, Other than that, it is similar to meat meal. Meat byproducts contain fresh, consists of fresh, non-rendered, because it doesn't have the meal word in it, clean parts of slaughtered animals. It does not include um, meat. It does not include um, lungs, spleen, kidneys, brains, livers, blood, bones, fat, stomachs, intestines. It cannot include hair, horns, teeth, and hooves. Well, that's a good thing. So, again, meat meal is going to be rendered meal, and uh, rendered meat is going to be a meal. It's going to say meat meal. So, it could say chicken meal, it could say beef meal, etc. Poultry byproduct meal, so that's just going to be the same thing. It's going to be the byproducts of the Poultry, so that's turkey, chicken. um, And it's going to consist of necks, feet, undeveloped eggs, intestines. But it cannot contain beaks or feathers. So they're very specific about that. So again, rendering is a process by which animal parts are heated slowly over a long period of time to liquefy the fat. And that is removed. What remains is mainly dry proteins. That's called the meal. So it's not, again, where, where's the quality? We, if you heat something to oblivion, what kind of nutritional value are we going to get out of that product? So we have to think about this. So I want you to try to avoid some of these words. I want you to try to avoid the word meal. So if the first ingredient that you see on the back of the package is turkey meal, I would try to avoid that food. We don't know what the quality of that turkey, even though it was turkey before it was rendered, we don't know what the body is going to see when it looks at that. Is it going to really see that that's turkey meat? So I want to give an example of that. I had a patient um, when I was in general practice, and um, it was highly allergic to chicken. If it even looked at chicken, it would break out in hives. And... The clients came to me and, you know, they were at their wits' ends and the dog was on steroids and it had a lot of allopathic treatments and they could not get these allergies under control. And uh, there were other, you know, allergies, but definitely chicken was a trigger. So I was talking to them and I convinced them to kind of throw away all their bag and canned food and let's start with home cooking so that we can do a good elimination diet and we can pretty much know what our ingredients are. If we eat it, they should be able to eat it. So I designed a recipe for them and the first ingredient was chicken. So I thought that the dad was gonna punch me in the face because he just told me that the dog was allergic to chicken. And I said, don't worry, trust me. I said, your dog is not looking at chicken. Your dog is eating chicken chicken meal and the body most likely is looking at that as something foreign. It can't recognize that. It can't absorb it. It doesn't know how to digest it. And having a reaction in the gut can definitely also cause inflammation elsewhere in the body, the ears, the skin. So they, they took my advice. They were a little hesitant, and they came back to me in about two weeks, and I had lots of presents and lots of compliments, and the dog looked amazing. The dog ate chicken. The dog ate real chicken. So we have to think about these things. Um, you know, conveniences, it's convenient, <laughs> obviously. You can buy even pet food in the gas station. So... The, you know this is what it's come to every every you know that's why we have fast foods everything is quick everything needs to be done yesterday so we need to pay attention we need to see some animals are fine on on these kind of foods I had a, a patient again from puppy to to his passing and that dog ate I can't mention the name but it was a, a very it was a department store food. He had every vaccine on this planet. Um, he he had even Giardia vaccine, which is no more. he had Lyme vaccine. he had all kinds of vaccine. this was in the midwest. and that dog ate and he' you, know, you know he had all kinds of tick um chemicals and flea products on him. That dog lived to be fourteen and he ate very very poor food. So DNA does have a you know it does play a role in with us is as much as your pets. But we want to make the best decisions ever that we can with these foods because again we don't know the quality. So if we have ingredients that we understand and ingredients that we can hopefully guess that they're you know they are what they are. Um, and they haven't been heated, and they haven't been destroyed, and they haven't been processed and put through extruders, etc. Then, we hope that we're serving them again something that's going to support them for a long life. So, some other um, other things to look at, and other definitions on the, on these labels. Um, there's going to be a life stage, you know, like a lot of products will say. Um, For the adults, or it may say that it's suitable for all life stages, which means in the AAFC, uh, AAFCO world is they only make and, you know, uh, give, give guidelines for growth and lactation and maintenance of adults. No seniors are included in that, okay? So, according to the AFCO, there are only standards for growth, lactation, or maintenance for adults. Seniors aren't included in that at all. Large breeds not even included. Um, Breeds, you know, specific breeds, they make foods now for different breeds. So... Again, this is just according to the AFCO. So these manufacturers, they can design these other products, and maybe they're, they're, they are making something for seniors, but it's not regulated and according to the guidelines from the AFCO because there are none for seniors. So it's kind of confusing. So if the manufacturer uses the term senior or formulated for large breed adults— it only means that the food meets the requirements for adult maintenance and nothing more. A lot of trickery going on there. So again, these companies can definitely put what they want on the food labels. They can manipulate our minds, and sometimes they're they're not true. They're they're making us you know go to their product because you see. Uh, senior on the label, and maybe that's what you're trying to do is treat your senior pet. So some things to think about. One other major thing, because we have a lot of obese pets in uh, in our country, and um, so we definitely want, you know, everybody's looking for locale and diet food and things like that. So here's some more trickery for you. So you may see the words light, L-I-T-E, or light, L-I-G-H-T, lean, less fat, less calorie, okay? Light, L-I-G-H-T, L-I-T-E, low calorie, on the label means there's less kilocal per gram of food. That's perfect, okay? That means it's low calorie. If it says lean or less fat, it only means that there's less percentage of fat than other brands, but it still may be higher in calorie if the protein or the carbohydrate content makes up for the lower fat. So pay attention to that. Do not, if you really want a, di- a diet food, a less calorie food for your pet who needs to diet, lean, less fat only means that yes, there's less fat, percentage of fat than other brands, but the calories may be higher if they add more protein or carbs. To, to, you know, to, to counteract that, so to speak. So I want you to pay attention. Those of you who have to go out there, you want to look for light, L-I-G-H-T, or l i t e, a low-cal, and that means the cales are low. Less fat, that doesn't mean that the, cal's, the calories are low. The kilocal's calories, we kind of intermingle those. It's kind of like I like, uh, you know, Twizzlers. And it says low-fat on there, but there's lots of sugar, so you can get your calories elsewhere. So, again, we have to pay attention, educate yourselves, and we'll talk back more after the break.
3: Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. Do
0: you ever have an off day? Or is your life positive and uplifting? Making Life Brighter is a forum for positive positive inspired and contemplative thought showcasing experts in their fields including authors musicians and artists your host Winifred Adams will bring to life topics to stimulate and make your life brighter we want to hear from you be sure to tune in Thursdays at 10 a.m. Pacific Time 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel
3: can grief be good for you absolutely it gets your attention helping you evaluate your choices and relationships Your losses define who you are. Tune in each week for Good Grief with host Cheryl Jones. Our show features those who have made incredible transformations by grieving their losses. You'll learn how to find your courage and strength. You'll discover the important things in your life and how to let go of things that are less important. Good Grief airs live Wednesdays at 2 p.m. Pacific time, 5 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Health and Wellness.
1: Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. You are tuned into to Pet Panorama with Dr. Julie Mayer. We want to hear from you with your questions, stories, and comments. Please call into the program today at one 866 Four seven two five seven nine two. That's one 866 Send your emails all week to Dr. Julie at petpanorama at gmail.com. That's petpanorama at gmail.com. Now, back to PetPanorama.
2: Okay, here we go. we got lots to lots to talk about, lots of shockers going on around here. Okay. So I just want to give you some other statements um, and descriptions of some some terms that we u- use. You know, organic, natural, things like that. Um, it's not a crossover. It's not the same that applies in the animal kingdom. So here's some here's some verbiage from the A.F.C.O. Organic regulations specific for pets foods are currently being developed. So they really don't have any definitions. Um, which they would get their information from the National Organic Program um, because they're the ones that make the definitions um, and the descriptions of what organic is in the human industry. Um, so they, the NOP, which is the National Organic Program, has said that pet foods claiming to be organic must be must meet its human food regulations. Because again, because they they don't have pet only regulations. So that's good. Again, does everybody follow that? And who is policing that? Nobody. If a pet food claims to be organic and it is not compliant with the NOP, the product is misbranded under the state and federal feed laws and is subject to uh, regulatory action by feed officials. So they have to be busted. They have to be caught. Um, That may not happen often. There have been human-grade claims on some pet foods for a few years. This term has no definition in any animal feed regulations. Instead, it is a marketing creation, creation that aims to convince co- consumers that the products, so, you know, they're some they're making themselves better than others. And human-grade, you may have seen this, you know, human-grade or human-grade ingredients. Um, human-grade does not automatically equal nutritional safety for pets. So... There you have it. There's some information. Um, Also, statements on the product cannot say treat to prevent, to reduce the risk of disease. Um, This is considered drug claims and are not allowed on the food. You can't use um, improves, prevents, hypoallergenic, unless it's a prescription diet. Um, And the phrase recommended by veterinarians has no regulatory meaning, meaning. So that, you know, so again... These companies can put this on the label and they may not even know a veterinarian. So, some other things uh, that's on the label is the guaranteed analysis, that's important. Um, typically, what you're going to see is protein, fat, fiber, and moisture, and it'll say the minimum crude protein percent. It'll say the minimum crude fat percent, you know, and give you a number. It'll say the maximum crude fiber percent and the maximum moisture percent. And why I'm pointing this out is the minimum crude protein percent. So they may give you 9%. Well, what's the maximum? So what if you have a patient that tends to be on, you know, is maybe early kidney failure and you don't want to feed them as much protein. You only know that in that package that you have 9% protein minimum, but you don't know the maximum. Crude fat. All right, let's say that you want a low fat diet because you have a heavy set pet. The minimum crude fat percentage is going to be on that label. You don't know what the maximum is. Don't ask me how <laughs> this was designed, but it's kind of interesting. And then the maximum fiber and the maximum mo- moisture is on there, but what's the minimum? So I just thought that was kind of interesting. And kilocal is actually not required on um, the labels. But a lot of people are requesting it, so I think a lot of pet food um, manufacturers are compliant with, you know. People want to know uh, how much cows we eat. They want to know how many cows their pet should be eating too. Not just if they're overweight, but to support them if, you know, especially if they're busy and active and working dogs and things like that. So, yeah, we have to, we have to pay attention to some things. If your pet is allergic to fish... This is interesting. Let's say your pet's allergic to fish. Um, it doesn't have to be listed um, on the front of the package. So it could say, you know, chicken, dog food, or food for dogs. And in it, you have to read these labels. You have to turn everything over. In it, farther down in the list, you may see fish meal. So fish meal may be listed Farther down the list, and it does not have to be on the name of the product. Turn your products over. They sneak some things in there. Okay? Very, very interesting. Let's talk about quality real quick. How do we figure this out? Well, the AAFCO has, they have feeding trials. So you may see some packaged foods that say, you know, it's compliant with the AAFCO uh, feeding trials. But listen to these feeding trials. The AFCO feeding trials consist of at least eight dogs, not a big number, being fed the same diet for six months. You may feed this food for hopefully 16 years of their life. Some people feed the same food. I'm not encouraging that, but I'm just looking at the longevity. And they're only doing these feeding trials for six months. And if they pass, and I'll tell you how that goes, then it is considered balanced and complete. So during this time of this six months of these eight dogs, 25% of the dogs, which is two animals, can be removed from the test. Okay, now that just lowers our number to six. The dogs eating the food can lose up to 15% of the body weight and condition. That's not fun. If the requirements are met, Above what I just mentioned to you, the food will pass the test and be labeled complete and balanced. So that's not a great research paper right there. Um, So that is how the AFCO says that their recommendations, that that product, if they're following their ingredients, if they're following um, labeling and things like that, that's how the manufacturer will test the product. And I can understand because it costs money to do these things and feed these dogs, etc. So it's very, very interesting. Um, there's also some other confusion where um, a manufacturer may say, okay, I have um, indoor cat category. I have five different formulas, right? One may be beef, one may be chicken, one, one may be salmon. But the category or, you, you know, sensitive stomach or indoor cat category. These manufacturers only have to take one of the for, one of the formulas, all right? Maybe they have five different formulas of the indoor cat category. They they to to do their feeding trial, only have to take one of those formulas and put the cats through the feeding trial. The other formulas are just grandfathered in because they're under the categories, but they're not tested. So that gets a little confusing. Um, so I don't know how you would go around with that because you don't know if that product was the one that was tested. You know, if the salmon of the indoor cat category was tested, if the, if the beef of the indoor cat category was tested, so they can just group them all in there. They kind of just get a free pass. So very interesting things. Um, some of these things are scary. There's lots of pet recalls going on out there. Uh, my email just keeps dinging away. What I do is I have um, some websites that I follow and things like that. But um, there's the AVMA. The AVMA even, you know, they're always um, alerting the veterinarians of the latest recall so that they could share things, you know, definitely with their, with their uh, clients and patients um, so just like with us, you know, we have to pay attention of the recalls and um, look at your, you know, if they if they the batch numbers and things like that. So sometimes save boxes if you have to, or save bags. So you do have a batch number. If something is recalled, that's that's a suggestion. So, I wanted to bring up some interesting things and some things that may shock you. Well, I'm sure I've shocked you enough today, but I'm going to go and wind down with um, with this final um, interesting discovery that I made. So, the title of this uh, this segment here is "Who Are the Big Players in the Pet Food Industry." Many consumers, that's us, pet lovers, don't realize that most pet bra- pet food brands are an extension of human food and agricultural brands. Simply put, they're a convenient way for companies to use materials that they can't. It's not for human consumption. So, here go some companies, and here go some examples. Nestle, Purina, Elpo, Mighty Dog, Dog Chow, Puppy Chow, Beneful, One, ProPlan, Canyon, Canyon Creek Ranch. Colgate, hey, they don't even make food. They make toothpaste and dish soap. Hills Science Diet, Hills Prescription Diet, Procter & Gamble, Personal Care and Cleaning Supplies, No Food in There, Yukonuba Iams, Natura Evo, uh, California Natural Healthwise Mother Nature, Del Monte Foods, they make canned fruits, Kibbles and Bits, Milk Bone, Snossages, Nature's Recipe, uh, Gravy Train, Milo's Kitchen, and our big friendly Mars Bars. Um, I don't know if anybody heard, they probably heard through me, but Mars um, actually purchased all of the VCAs in, VCAs as Veterinary Centers of America, in in America. Um, So they now own all of those animal hospitals, and they paid $9.1 billion for that in cash. Just thought I'd share that with you. So Mars, as we know, makes candy bars and gum. And who falls under um, that? Their name, so the brand names of food that fall under Mars, Royal Canin, Pedigree, Caesar, Neutro, Good Life, Recipe, A Good Life Recipe, and Greenies. So this isn't secret. You could go look this up. I didn't make it up. Um, so it's kind of interesting. We have to think about when things become big. You know, big corporations um, own, manufacture, control um, how these pet foods are made and marketed and sold. So I just thought I'd open your eyes a little bit on that. Could be good or bad, but typically when we have a lot of large corporations... um, you know, owning these pet foods, sometimes the ingredients, the quality, it's a business, and, and you know, we have to understand that. And nothing is ever going to go, um, be thrown out. So, the ma- when, in these plants where food is manufactured for humans, everything, everything is going to go somewhere, okay? So all of the food that's, n- you know, not, Suited for human consumption is going to be used in something. So that's uh, that's pretty much what I wanted to share with you today. So I'm hoping that I'm enlightening you today, and um, that you you may, like I said, go to your cupboards and start throwing away some food. But I just wanted to make you more aware. Totally want to make you more aware of we have to pay attention because. We, we, you know, nobody else is going to help us. The veterinarians are, you know, a lot of veterinarians do carry their own foods, which are typically prescription foods. And sometimes they're, they don't have time. They're not going to be able to help you go through ingredients. I do. I want you to have the best, you know, um, nutrition ever for, for your pets So I pay attention to that because I see a lot of these chronic, chronic illnesses, arthritis, all kinds of um, allergies, you know, and it's really sad. And a lot of times I think that if, if we started early with them, we would be able to give them some good food and give them a lot of love, and that would be the best for them ever. And you try to, like I said, just... Give them the best, best you can. I, and I understand this, these foods are very expensive sometimes. It has really, you know, the prices have gone up. Um, and a lot of people can't afford to cook for their pets or to feed, you know, raw or feed top of the line. I understand that. But do your best. You still, you know, there's still good things over the counter, if you will, and at these grocery stores. You just do your best. Be educated. Do your research. Okay? Um, Petfoodadvisor.com. That's who I use for um, looking up foods, getting reviews of foods, and looking at the recalls. So I hope you guys had some fun, and we'll see you next week. Thank you for
1: being a part of Pet Panorama this week. Be sure to join Dr. Julie Mayer for another edition next Friday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time and 4 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Now, enjoy the weekend with your best friend.